fan. Who? Oh, no! You're breaking up, Bob. You're breaking up. Play around with a bad football team, bad things happen. All I can say is, wow. Hold on to your butt. Shall we begin? Monday, it's Nordowin for PA. Brett Blakemore producing. More vocal maintenance days ramping up to Minnesota Vikings training camp. The host is in the Mile High City, I believe, or some other exotic location. I have no idea where he is. He just likes to check in with me once in a while, and that's the best I can give you in terms of communication. Nordowin for PA. And let's start with, well, individual accomplishments into a team game. Driven to the right field corner, slicing away from Calhoun, and gone, a home run! Byron Buxton's 23rd of the year down the right field line. He is now 5 for 9 with three home runs against Dunning. So we know Byron Buxton, thank you Dick Bramer, thank you Bally Sports North. We know he can hit the home runs, and we certainly know he can catch. To left field, chased by Gordon, on the track, and wow. Did Buxton catch that ball? Oh my goodness, he did! Putting behind Gordon and making a tremendous catch! With a smile oh on his face. Oh my goodness, that might be his best ever. That from down at the Rangers game a couple of weeks ago. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you saw that game, Brett. We were all happy that Buck had a smile on his face because the first thing I always think of with Byron Buxton when he makes that amazing catches, hell yeah, followed by, wonder how long the IL stint's going to be. But individual accomplishments, Byron Buxton is starting in center field for the American League All-Stars tomorrow night. So not only his first All-Star appearance, but it will be his as a starter and Mike Trout is out due to injury. Buck is in. Saw this from Aaron Gleeman. Minnesota Twins to start an all-star game in the past 25 years. Oof. 
It's a long list. Byron Buxton, Jorge Polanco, 2019. Joe Maurer did it four times. And then Torrey Hunter. One of four players now, Byron Buxton, to start in the last quarter century. And whether it's Dan Hayes today, Gleeman's going to be with me later this week as well. Lavelle, during the final hour. It's kind of an odd thing. As soon as the news broke yesterday afternoon, in the midst of just a thumping that the White Sox were putting on our favorite team, that would be in the team game-related bit, looking at a squad that lost three or four to the White Sox. And this division, by the way, that we have felt so comfy atop the standings in the AL Central. A lot of games left. But it's the All-Star break, so we can call him on that for a couple of days. Does he deserve it? The, hey, he's never on base and he strikes out a ton crowd facing off with the, he's super clutch in big moments. And whenever he does get a hit, it goes over the fence. That crowd. Very greasers and socias like right now. Or West Side Story. Whatever similarity or analogy you want to use. He doesn't play as often as we would like, but we know we know why. That's something we've had some struggles trying to get over as well. The Buxton plant through the 2022. Potentially a career-long battle that fans will wage in their own minds as they decide whether he is worth their affection. He most certainly is. Team wins when he's on the field. Almost that simple. But the Buxton plan, he's fragile, handle with care. We don't see him as often as we want. And that highlight, going back to that game in Texas, we do have a bit of an instant reaction, a reflex, and a thought that anytime there's any contact, anytime he makes that diving catch, anytime he gets close to the wall, how long is he going to be out? But so far, through 73 games that he has played, the Buxton plan appears to work or appears to at least be working. Second on the team in runs. He's got those homers. He's climbing a ton of bases, even though that 216 average just punches you in the face and makes you question some things. Other than a rise, best war on the team, you can go on. OPS plus, all the stats, slugs in a mile. The Buxton plan is working, and he's going to be in center field tomorrow night at Dodger Stadium. That kicks ass. As for the team overall, let's just be thankful they are indeed in the central. Injury issues throughout the year and focusing in on, wow, another injury to the pitching staff. We acquire Chris Paddock, and then we almost instantly see him go bye-bye. COVID-related bits. Sonny Gray has been on the IL maybe two or three times already. We, we've seen all this. You know it. It's, it's, this, is our, this is our universe, but that can get us into a narrow, hmm, I think a narrow path in terms of our view as the league as a whole. Because all season long so far, you can look at the White Sox, and they've been struggling so badly, so poorly, but they've had as many if not more injury-related issues than us, and now they're starting to get healthy. Put 29 runs on us in the three losses. Thank goodness for Saturday. There's no doubt about it. If the Twins advance in the postseason, Twins ahead in the AL Central, 
I wonder if it'll be like, let's say they go down, they, they or they'll be hosting. They'll host a wild card bid against Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay, as of now, Toronto, maybe Boston, several teams in the East have a better record than the Twins do right now. And maybe that holds up down to the finish line. But we will win the worst division in baseball. And that's worth something. You think it'll be like the NHL playoffs, where if we beat our opponent who had a better record than us, we'll say it's not fair. It's not fair. I can't believe that the Twins beat us. We shouldn't have been playing this team. We shouldn't have been playing. They have to realign it. We probably, we wouldn't buy into that argument, would we? I don't think we we would never do that. No. Three out of four over the weekend. Still lead the division over Cleveland by two. Dig that. Feels unlikely that the Twins are going to be able to add, you know, a little wish list. I don't know if you do this, whether you're budgeting at home, but you put a wish list, cool bleep that you want to eventually have in your house. They want six pitchers. Probably can't do that this month. You're going to have to settle for one or two. But that seems like, and Wes Johnson's like, I'm out of here. Don't ask me how to fix this thing. Uh, Certainly a focus for the Minnesota Twins. But in the end, despite all of that, congratulations to Byron Buxton. So Twins fans getting paid off tomorrow night. Going to be able to see Buck in center field. Uh, Today, 9 to noon, in some ways it's about a charity getting paid off. VEEP. VEEP stands for Volunteers Enlisted to Assist People. And you may have heard it during the Power Trip morning show this morning, but with the 3M Open taking place this week, a massive charity bent to not only uh, the show today, but the tournament and a lot of people around the PGA supporting Veep. And that is where Taste for the Tour comes in. Veep is the Twin Cities' largest food pantry. It's donated the equivalent of 1.6 million meals for local families. And KFAN listeners, you, 9 to noon, thanks for being with us, can help tee off for hunger by making a much-needed donation and bidding on a KFAN exclusive 3M open package. Now, what's that package? Well, check this out. You can bid on a package between now and 6.30 p.m., and you'll become a VIP honorary observer at the 3M open, thanks in part to your Veep donation. So neighbors are getting fed, and you're at the 3M open. The winner and their guest will be able to walk inside the ropes with PGA Tour pros during the final round on Sunday. From the first tee to the 19th hole, the Ultra Club, you can follow the action for as many holes as you'd like. The auction closes at the end of Bumper to Bumper this evening. So bid soon and often. Go to Taste, and then it is for, F-O-R-E, Taste for the tour.com. 100% of the winning bid will indeed go to Veep. So we dig that, we dig the charity element of it, and we dig you for listening to 9 to Noon. Uh, Timber Tech brings you the 9 to Noon set list. And about 45-ish minutes from now, speaking of taste for the tour, I'm going to check in with Rocco Mediate. Rocco Mediate supporting taste for the tour, supporting the tournament festivities this week. Uh, Long time, he's been, I mean, nearly 40 years of professional golf for Rocco Mediate. So an opportunity to catch up with him. 1020 MLB draft was yesterday. Had no idea in hell that it was happening. 
And then, of course, we'll uh, recap the Twins weekend in the All-Star game with Dan Hayes of The Athletic around 10-20. And Lavelli Neal III, weekly guest, columnist, Star Tribune. He's in studio with me at 11. Brett Blakemore produces. I'm Nordo from 9 to noon. And we got a cash opportunity for you out there. Take it away, Brett. The fan on Hilltop Camper and RV trying to put a grand in your hand with that national cash contest, that cash thing. Head to KFA.com. Enter the keyword grand. That is grand for your shot at $1,000. KFA.com, keyword grand. More 9 to noon next. at the end of the last segment an opportunity via tastefortheTour.com tastefortheTour.com There's some other things you can do by donating as well. Anybody that offers $1,000 becomes a hunger hero and can win up to $900 in restaurant gift cards from the chefs of the event. Chefs of the event, I believe... I saw Gavin Kaysen's name being thrown around and several others, and I don't have the names in front of me, so if you are one of the fellow elite chefs, it's not that I don't adore your food. It's just that I don't have your name directly in front of me. I apologize. Uh, So $1,000, you're a hunger hero. $30, you become eligible for two lower-level seats for Vikes and Bears. As a matter of fact, the Bears are going to come up uh, later in this show as well. Bikes Bears should be week five-ish, right after the Saints. So upon returning from London, you're going to get a 10th row seat. You and a you and a friend will be watching Bikes Bears, and that's for a $30 donation. You're in the mix for that. So I mentioned last segment the opportunity to walk inside the ropes with PGA pros as the Open at St. Andrews concluded yesterday. Cam Smith. What an unbelievable run and journey the Aussie made. Rory, did he give it away or did he straight up get beat? I have some stats behind that. But watching Rory comes up short of the green on 18, and he's making that lonely walk. He knows he has to hole out at 18 under just to tie and force a playoff with Cam Smith. And watching people sprinting up the fairway, people trying to jump the creek there, couldn't wait for the, I mean, the bridge was becoming very bottlenecked. You know what? I'm just taking a leap. Thankfully, as I noticed, the people running through it, it was like ankle deep. So It was a longer jump than people anticipated, though. There was a few that kind of got stuck up and yeah, you know, they, got did, some, they didn't make it. Some, some sore shins today. Yes. But if you take the opportunity, taste for the tour.com, you're walking inside the ropes with one of the PGA pros. There's a hospitality tent, food and beverage, 
even preferred parking. What else can they do for you up at the lavish, wonderful TPC Twin Cities up in Blaine? You won't have to sprint to get a chance to see the final action on Sunday. What fanfare. I've never been to a golf tournament and just watched. I'd imagine there's probably some yawn-worthy moments. Some. But I loved seeing those roofs just going wild at St. Andrews, sprinting. What if they got to see, from about 40 yards away, Rory hold that thing and force a playoff? That would have been unbelievable. The hardcore golf fans. Which, speaking of the the Open, yesterday at St. Andrews, across the pond, Cameron Smith, just running through some things here that we watched over the weekend that we haven't seen in a while. Cam Smith, only player over the last 20 years to birdie the first five on the back nine in the final round. Not bad. This could be the sixth straight major won by a player in their 20s. That hasn't happened since 1923. I think this is an ESPN stats and info bit. The last six straight majors won by six different players in their 20s. 1894, the U.S. Open, the PGA, the Masters didn't even exist last night. And you can go through some other things. I mean, the 20 under was incredible. There are some out there that are questioning why wasn't the why wasn't the course made tougher? But you have like DJ, 20 under at the 2020 Masters, Henrik Stenson at the 16 Open, Jason Day at the 2015 PGA. Doesn't happen very often. Best final round score, major winners. Cam Smith, tied for the the best ever. Eight under, along with Henrik Stenson, already mentioned 2016. Gary Player in the 78 Masters. This one hurts, though. Bogey-free final round in a major. Being the 54-hole leader or co-leader and did not win. Jason Day, that hot run. Jason Day, by the way, had this stretch where it's like, he could win any tournament. And he did get the PGA in 15. But at the Open, Jason Day and Rory McElroy this last weekend. Oof. No! Yeah. By the way, going to get to some Vikes bites, ramping up to training camp. Some of the things, some of the questions that I have that are going to start to get answered next week. Everything's fresh. Everything's new. Which, by the way, we keep saying that. Actually, most of the players are not fresh. Most of the players are the exact same. The coach is different. The GM is different. Some of the assistants are different. But the faces on the field quite familiar. For Rory at 33, and all these guys, it feels like even as Tiger didn't make the cut, I think he finished nine over. They're all judged in that shadow that mammoth HOF-sized shadow of dominance by Tiger. And so for casual fans, you need it's almost like you need the dynasty. You need the guy that's going to always be in it. It's, he's always going to captivate you versus, in some ways, just another guy in his 20s. Not that Cam Smith is just a guy in his 20s. He's a fantastic golfer. He's been on the cusp, it feels like, for nearly two years. 
and he crossed the threshold. He's a major winner. But you just think about over the last decade or so, Dustin Johnson, he's found his way there a couple of times. But we were always wondering when. Colin Morikawa, certainly more frequent. Justin Thomas, everyone either enamored with or just absolutely loathing. Bryson DeChambeau. You think about Jordan Spieth. The run that Spieth had right out of the gates. And the kid from Dallas, he's got it. Then he went through like three years of the yips with his putter. Brooks Kepka, what a run he had. It was two U.S. Opens in a row and two, I'm missing it. Might be PGAs, maybe it's the Masters. I, I don't have it in front of me. But he's got four majors. He's been competitive at times. I think he missed the cut over the weekend, into the weekend. John Rahm, some of these names trying to get to that threshold. But as noted here, the parody of golf is massive. Every Ricky Fowler fan out there, they're easy to spot. There's usually some Puma involved, and it's usually a bright color, specifically orange. Patrick Reed, can't admit that you enjoyed watching him win one because he's so mean. He's got those family problems. What's up with the family? The melodrama. He's so rude. But all these guys have popped up for a minute, had a cup of coffee. Some have had those stints of absolute dominance. No one's carried it on quite as long as Mr. Woods did. But awesome tournament over the weekend. Loved it. I love the I love the Open, and in particular, actually, this year, because the the fairway looks like a, my lawn does right now. It's dead. I got behind on it, couldn't keep up on the watering. Yeah, beautiful St. Andrews. Uh, let's break now. We'll come back, jump into the Vikings again. Rocco Mediate around ten o'clock. Dan Hayes on the road around ten twenty, and then Lavelle. At 11, it's 9 to the fan. Than hell. Yeah, I don't know if that one works today. We don't really have to go anywhere. It's going to be high 90s. Just sweaty as bleep out there today. Good day to hide in the basement, to be honest with you. But as we transition to Vikes Bites. Vikes Bites. Brought to you by nobody. Training camp finally here next week. Live shows at the facility. All the new, the coaching at least. Again, familiar faces on the field, but they'll look different. Looks like we made it. 
every summer, I think, specifically 9 to noon, I can't speak for everybody else, we, we can be a tad bit uh, melodramatic, might you say, about some sort of abyss that may or may not exist. Like we climbed some sort of a mountain to get here. We miss football season. We're happy it's back every single time. A couple of teams have already begun reporting to training camp. The HOF game teams. So good for them. But we still got to wait a week. But it hasn't really been an abyss. The Twins have kept it interesting. Sometimes unintentionally with this pitching bit. Rudy Gobert. A little drama on the hockey team. Sends a goaltender to Ottawa. Where I've been told that's where goaltenders go to die. Again. We're nothing if not mildly melodramatic at times. So throughout the week, I'm just thinking about some Vikings-related bits that we'll get to finally see in person. And you as a Rube, you've been waiting for this moment, for this week, just as long as we have 9 to noon. What are your biggest questions? Feel free. Brad John Bryant, inbox booth at KFAN.com. Get on that talk back. Hit that mic. Give me your best 30 seconds. If you didn't like it, you can re-record. Cheap shots, sarcasm, humor. Gets you to the front of the line, by the way. To talk back via the free iHeartRadio app. PA believes, and you heard it here last week, that this is the year the Vikings go to the Super Bowl. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Above average at that. He said it. Puts me in a tough spot. All the signs are there, right? The talent's back. As a new coach in the NFL, Kevin O'Connell, and new general manager in the NFL, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, they have more to work with on day one than what you would ever typically see when there's a significant coaching change. Significant coaching change. I I look at an eight-year tenure of a head coach, a decade and a half plus in a general manager. They hit the road jack. And now the new guys. The circumstances and the conditions are ripe for it. We believe. Or in this particular case, PA believes. What is true is the non-dominant and everything we see right now, it's, it's all written down. It's all on paper. The non-dominant perception of the NFC. The defending champions. They had warts in the first place. And now they got to go do it again. The Bucks. Father Time, he's been knocking at that door. Mr. Brady's not answering it. But they lost some defensive pieces. The offense is going to look a bit different. Gronk is retired. Oh, yeah, and Todd Bowles, now the head coach. And Bruce Arians. Whatever weird thing that occurred somewhere in the area of a guy unretiring and then a head coach saying, nah, I'd rather just be in a what-do-you-think role. Roughly how he put it. But the circumstances, all of those things in a non-dominant NFC. PA's proclamation, in some ways, it reminds me, and everybody knows this person, 
My grandmother would always tell me she could feel a storm coming as she rubbed her swollen knees. Is it a prediction or a proclamation? And, and there's no harm done in this. Because no matter what, we'll move on. But I am indeed in a somewhat of a philosophical or moral meat grinder with this. Because part of me, I don't know why, I want to spend a segment every day explaining why the Vikes won't make the Super Bowl. (laughs) See, I'm not totally a parrot, okay? But I am also a rube. So I'm emotionally connected to believe as long as a chance exists, let's ride that. Something to look forward to. I can't buy into what's the point. I can't buy into, well, they'll F it up anyway. I can't subscribe to that. I am an adult child. The innocence and the hope of a child. Nah, I lost that innocence years and years and years ago. So I'm not interested in tearing down a prognostication that would bring mayhem. It would bring unfathomable emotional releases throughout the metro and the region. I hope this one comes true, in fact. So we'll settle for pondering, looking forward to some things that will make this team pop when the games actually count. Again, all the new, not the people, but the scheme. And we'll start here. We had Alexander Madison on last week. And you can podcast the entire conversation. Alexander Madison, he had a camp last week. And, I mean, just doing great things. The key for it, I think, is the free. Because, like him, I did not grow up very financially inclined. Camps were expensive. He offered a free camp out uh, near Hamlin, I believe, for kids. Get to meet NFL players, do their thing, do some drills, have some fun. Awesome escape and summer respite for these kids. It was sweet. And he's a great dude. I love him. He joined PA in charge. It's a contract year, by the way. Free iHeartRadio app. Listen to that convo. So Alexander Madison, among all the new, he is not new. But is there going to be a new role? With Dalvin, Mr. Madison, Kenny Wongwu, the team did select a Tar Heel by the name of Ty Chandler in the NFL draft. Gabe Henderson absolutely loves him, one of his favorite players, if only for the helmet he wore in college. That's our stable, and all we've done for the last five months is compare what the Purple do, or will do, to what the Rams did. And so you look at the Rams employing at least three different running backs a ton of the time. Ever since Todd Gurley's knees got balky, that's been how the Rams have operated. And so kind of the first question looking ahead to what will this look like? How will the Vikings operate? Will they employ Dalvin like a peak Todd Gurley, or do we see multiple looks at that position? And that's why at times throughout, you know, ever since we knew O'Connell was our guy, and you look back at the Super Bowl, We make jokes about the Daryl Henderson wheel routes. Got absolutely screwed on an apparent can't-lose Sony Michelle prop bet, by the way. Got McVeigh 
Will opposing teams get O'Connell in big spots? Again, somehow getting deceptive or tricky or changing how that position operates. And ever since Todd Gurley started having the, I believe they were, it was arthritic, the knees, and his production declined precipitously. The Cam Akers, okay, he comes back from the Achilles, only played one game in the season, started getting his ramp up and his work into the postseason. He now has a ring. But Sony Michelle with the bell cow, the Daryl Hendersons of the world, they have tried five or six different guys at that spot. And now that Akers is healthy, it's assumed that he would take over that top spot. And I think Sony Michelle might actually be gone now. I don't even know where he's at. So, so that'll change for them. But the question is, because Dalvin Cook will certainly eat the most, how do you get Madison and Wong Wu into that mix? And what type of role is that? We know Dalvin can run. We know Dalvin can catch. Can Dalvin be healthy for 17 games? That we do not know. And so a massive part of this looking forward is how can we be productive in the run game, be explosive at times, change the frame of what things look like, and keep Dalvin healthier in December and closer to what he looked like in September than what we've been seeing the last couple of seasons. And we all adore Dalvin, but every year it feels like there's a shoulder-related bit, knees and ankles nicked up, all of these things that are inhibiting him. And he'll get his, but save for that Steelers performance that he put, or 200 yards, he had just come back from injury, I believe, 200 yards rushing that night, last season, running with two essentially torn shoulders. The amount of pain that might create hesitance in certain spots, protecting him without losing a lot of the production. So what about Alexander Madison and Kenny Wongwu? I wanted to see Kenny get more opportunities last season than he ultimately did. As I'm looking at the stats here, Kenny had a total of oh, 13 carries. That's fantastic. And four receptions for nine yards. Okay. That's all we got. He was too busy running kicks back for touchdowns. So we do like that part. But seeing Kenny get more run in his second year, I envision more creativity with these guys involved. Madison doesn't explode and change games like Dalvin. We've seen him in replacement. But he works his way to that production. But can any of these guys actually catch the ball? Now, with Kenny in particular, my intel as of now, and he has an opportunity to work on this and change. My intel indicates that Kenny Wongwu might be closer to Adrian Peterson than he is to Marshall Falk when it comes to the receiving game. Natural skill versus learned skill. Adrian Peterson just looked ridiculous out there trying to catch a ball. I wouldn't say he was terrified of it. It was more like he was he had to grab that thing so hard he was trying to deflate it just to bring in a check down. I don't want to see that from Kenny. K 
can A be better? How's the pass blocking? Again, keeping Dalvin fresh, taking those reps off him early and throughout to make sure he's better in December and hopefully January. The mix in running backs is incredibly intriguing to me. And after all this comes to pass, by the way, what are we doing with C.J. Ham? Where's C.J. Ham in this? That's where Kevin O'Connell, the new with the familiar faces, has to figure out how much he wants to actually change. And that's where getting back to the prognostication, one of the biggest aspects of this team fulfilling the proclamation, if not a prediction, is avoiding the lulls. When we saw new in 2018, we had just gone to an NFC title game. We were just absolutely throttled. But regardless, in the 2018, you add Kirk Cousins and you add John Filippo, And it didn't go well. And there was a learning curve. There was a process. All of those things. How do you minimize the curve? Well, if you're Kevin O'Connell, it can't be scrap everything. There have to be aspects and elements while you're changing the words and definitions. Everything's a different language now. You set up over here. You go here. We're doing three wides more often. Less CJ. Got to find a role for him. Maybe he's just a special teams demon. and periodic out-of-the-backfield guy. He can catch a little bit. The bowling ball can run. But some of that has to remain static. It has to remain constant. I always envision... Guys like a Patrick Mahomes, a Brady, the guys that have done it better than anybody. Josh Allen certainly becoming somebody that's ascending to that level in that conversation where they they would have their favorite plays no matter what. This is going to work. This is, this is your nookie. This is your guarantee. And those guys have that. They have those plays for those moments. No matter what is going on in a game, this thing is going to work. I'd love to know because I don't. What would what would that play look like for a Kirk Cousins? Something to Thielen. Specifically in the red zone that's been working quite well for the last two years. Something to J.J. J.J. now believes after this season he's going to be better than Devontae Adams. If that comes true, that's good for the proclamation. That's good for the prediction. But what is the... What is going to stay static? What is going to stay constant from last year with this offense, in particular, as we look at the mix of running backs? And that's one of the things that we're going to learn as we get down to Egan, TCO Performance Center, and we actually get to start watching things happen. It's a beautiful thing. Vikes Bites provided by absolutely nobody. Nine to noon, second hour ahead, we'll start with... Longtime PGA golfing professional. He's on the PGA Tour Champions ride right now, but he's found his way around the holes of TPC Twin Cities and Blaine many, 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 many times. And now he's helping support Taste for the Tour and the 3M Open, which is in town. His name is Rocco Mediate. He's going to join me next. Some Twins conversation midway through with Dan Hayes in front of the All-Star game. Major League Baseball draft taking place. Have no idea who they are. Looking forward to seeing them in 2028. And then, of course, Lavelli Neal III 
We'll be in studio on a potpourri of topics at 11. Let's hit the break. Chat with Rocco. It's 9 to noon. You're listening to The Fan.